and welcome to episode four of Infra Unstructured, which is the podcast where we talk about infrastructure and how it relates to everyday life. I'm your host, Charlotte Mitchell, um, and I am your host because I'm on the National Infrastructure Commission's Young Professionals Panel. And today we're going to talk about electric vehicles, which I'm really excited about because they kind of feel like the future. Um, and I don't know that much about them, so that's a bit of a scary prospect. But luckily, I'm not going to be just making things up about them. I'm here with two people who actually know about electric vehicles, which is great. I've got Laura Hawkins here, who's on the National Infrastructure Commission professionals panel with me. Yeah, hello. Hello. Um, and also Ben Potter, who is general electric vehicle guru, which is great. Um, so if you guys could both say a couple of sentences about um, why you know about electric vehicles and why you care about them, that would be great. Ben, you want to go first? Sure, yeah. So I spend my time trying to make sure that if everyone plugged in their electric vehicles at the same time, it wouldn't cause the electric electricity network to break. Um, and I, I'm both an academic and I also work uh, for a startup company in industry trying to tackle this problem and also some kind of wider issues around making sure that our you know, energy system is going to be uh, you know, good, for, good, for good for people in the future. Cool. And I hear you own an electric vehicle yourself. I do. I've had it for about a year, um, cool. and uh, we may get into it a bit later, but um, it's it's great, actually. Great. <laughs> good news. That's a good way to start. Okay. And Laura, what's yeah. up with you? So I spend my time being really grateful that there are people like Ben making sure that if people plug in all of their electric vehicles when they get home from work, that the electricity network doesn't fall over, because I work for the electricity network. Ah, right. um, so I work for what we call a DNO, which I think is a good time to introduce the jargon jar. That's right. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the jargon jar concept is that we don't allow jargon on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, and if you use a piece of jargon, I make a uh, uh, sound and you owe it a pound. And then we use it for, well, we haven't decided yet. We haven't gone to the pub on a Friday, but I'm thinking that could be involved. But okay, so a DNO, if you explain it, you might escape the jargon. I feel like I get a buy because I did bring it up. Like, I'm, okay, sure, yeah. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you do. Yes, um, so a DNO is a distribution network operator. And basically, we're the people that own and operate the cables and wires that go from the really big pylons that you see up and down kind of when you drive up along the motorway down to people's houses and businesses. So we're the people that you call if you have a power cut, basically. Right. Um, so I work in the innovation team for a DNO that operates in the south of England and in Scotland um, and that means I get to spend my time looking at how the network uh, reacts to things like electric vehicles and renewable energy and all that kind of other things that go on. Cool and you both live outside of London right so I'm in London but it's always good to have a bit of a different perspective. Yeah so I uh, well me and Ben both kind of met having worked in Reading together um, so that's just outside of London sort of 30 miles away um, west and I now live a little bit south of Reading in quite a small little village which nice. is nice. Cool. And I live on the um, outskirts of Oxford and uh, regularly commute in my electric car to to Reading. All right you're just um, showing it's off a, it's now. It's a beautiful ben. image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. lovely. <laughs> um, cool so I'm excited to do this, I mean, for many reasons, but one is that we started Infrastructure. The very first episode was about air quality, and we talked about air quality, um, well, across the country, but it was just before the mayor of London had introduced the uh, ultra-low emission zone charge in London, um, which is now in effect. And that was, you know, about tackling air quality, but it is basically like a charge on dirty vehicles, on, you know, petrol are we calling them petrol vehicles, like for non-electric vehicles? I just want to make sure I get the term right. 
What do we well, call them? Is this jargon? So ICE oh, or ICE? Yes, oh, yeah, I think God. that's jargon. Okay. Jargon. Internal combustion engine. <laughs> this is great. We're getting loads in the yeah. jargon jar. Okay. okay. You guys both owe a pound. Um, but okay, we're going to call them petrol that's vehicles fine. for today. Is that okay? <laughs> Acceptable? Good. Agreed. Um, so yeah, like it's it's kind of, that was step one of like, it's making it harder for people to drive their petrol vehicles in London. It's making it more expensive. So there's an incentive to move towards electric vehicles. But now I think it's kind of good to get into the detail of like, how, you know, what's the deal with electric vehicles? How much do they cost? How do they work? What do you worry about? How do we plan for the future? Which I'm hoping we can do today. So I was kind of thinking we could start um, by uh, me fessing up to all of the things I don't know about electric vehicles and you guys educating me um, for a little bit, doing a bit of a like myth busting kind of Q&A. Is that all right? Sounds good. So could we start with just how much do they cost? Like how much more is it to buy an electric vehicle than a petrol vehicle? Like if I, you know, went out today to buy one. So right now, and, and this, the answer to this question has been changing rapidly over the last few years, but, but right now we're pretty much getting to price parity. So, uh, Really? Yeah. So if you wanted to go and buy a brand new vehicle now or lease a brand new vehicle, um, if you were choosing between um, an electric vehicle versus a, a conventional petrol vehicle, the prices are similar. Right. Um, what there isn't at the moment is a you know significant secondhand market, right? right so your yeah. choices for ownership are, are more limited. Right. Okay. And what about the cost of like putting fuel in those cars? You know, either charging it over the lifetime of it, um, yeah. and paying your energy bill, or putting fuel in it from a petrol station if you have a petrol car. Like, how does that play out over the lifetime of the car? Well, uh, so let me tell you a story of a journey I did recently oh, to kind of... fabulous. Yeah. So um, I drove from uh, Oxford to uh, Winchester. Um, I think the round trip was about 120 miles or so. Um, and I worked out how much that cost me to go in the electric car in terms of electricity costs mm -hmm. uh, for charging and then compared that to um, the train and also if I were driving in a conventional car. And the costs are quite... I mean, they're quite staggering in a way. So it, it cost me about £2.50 in uh, energy, electrical energy, to charge the car and do that journey. Okay. It would have been probably around about 16, 17 pounds to do the same journey wow. uh, paying for petrol. Okay. And it would have been about 36 pounds to do it by train. Ooh. And okay. that just feels, I mean, wrong. great for me, right? <laughs> but but it just feels wrong, doesn't yeah. it? The wrong way around. Definitely. We like, could definitely do a whole podcast on train fares. And I feel like we should <laughs> maybe yeah, avoid I that. I think we get a lot of <laughs> feedback on that one yeah. for sure. Um, right. Okay. Well, I think we've got to come back to that kind of like how much making a single journey by these different modes costs for sure. Um, but let's like stick with my basic Q&A for sure. the time being. Um, and how many... Like, what proportion of new cars being sold is electric vehicles? Do you guys know? Like, is it is it are lots of people buying electric vehicles now or is it still quite? So I think the answer to every question you ask is going to be prefaced with it's been changing a lot in the last right, few yeah, years course, um, like... and sort of it depends as well. Okay. Um, so I'll just put that out there. But so there are there are nearly 40 million cars registered in the UK or vehicles registered in the UK. And at the moment, there are 214,000 electric vehicles. So to put it into context, mm -hmm. there's still a lot more petrol vehicles petrol, out yeah. there than yeah. there are electric vehicles. But in 2013, there were three and a half thousand electric vehicles registered in the UK. So right. in five years, we've gone up from three and a half thousand to over 200,000. Okay. And we're talking about there being like a million by the end of 2020. So this is a you know, hugely growing area. And by the time this even goes out, that will be out of date. And by yeah. the time people are listening to it a few months down the line, you know, um, things can change dramatically. Right. So really we're in, like a rapid uptake, but still a long way to go kind mm -hmm. of story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it is, 
it's looking like exponential growth, right? So it's doubling kind of, you know, on a yearly basis. It's that kind of thing. So I, th I think, you know, there's that risk. And this is why the network companies are, are planning now, because there's a risk that you get caught out by suddenly this increase, you know, rapidly increasing and doubling over the next kind of, you know, five years or so, and then really you know, have some really big numbers. Yeah, and that's the same sort of story with when you look at the uptake of renewable energy and renewable energy generation. You know, it, it was slow to start off with, but then now we are, you know, having reasonable proportions of our electricity being generated by wind and solar, which, you know, only a decade ago when I was doing my undergrad in renewables was still kind of a drop in the ocean. So right. it, it does change rapidly. And is that a mix in demand and like policy incentive, you know, like for the renewable stuff? Is that partly because people like me are like Googling, you know, renewable energy provider and trying to find ecotricity or like whatever, you know, whatever it is, you can kind of pick a provider who says like that they're getting their, they're supporting generation of renewable energy as well as government saying, you know, we want to move, move over to renewables. That's the future. Yeah. I think with any kind of new introduction of tech or, or anything like that, it's, it's a whole mixture of what people want, what the technology, technology is capable of, yeah. and also what the regulation and policy kind of encourages. So it's never, well, I wouldn't say never, but it's very rarely, you know, one thing that happens and changes everything, you know, yeah. it's this kind of melting pot that goes on for a little while. Cool. And okay. So Another basic question, how long do they take to charge electric vehicles? Like if I go and plug one in to, you know, I guess the socket in my garage or garage. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, so I'm, I'm going to be looking at that jargon jar. I'll, I'll do my best. So, oh, so at the moment, um, a typical electric vehicle uh, has a battery capacity that's measured in what are called kilowatt hours. Okay. Okay. So, um, it's the equivalent of like milliliters of water in a, in a jar, yeah. right? It's just how much electricity fits in the battery ben is looking at me okay, with like right. no 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 yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> laura's helping you out of the jargon yeah. Yeah, situation. Exactly. this is good right okay so um so a typical car might have like a 30 kilowatt hour uh battery so that means that if you powered if you charge it at one kilowatt which is kind of like half the power of a kettle or something like that it would take 30 hours to right. charge it up okay um so charges at home if you get a a, a sort of a proper installed home charger can be seven kilowatts so it takes kind of about four to five hours to fully charge a car um, at home based on, on that. And to put it into context, seven kilowatts is like a power shower type amount of power. So it's like the same amount that a power shower would take turning on. Yeah, or three, yeah, three kettles. Three kettles, like that kind yeah. of thing. Three yeah. kettles. Okay, kettles yeah. is helping me more yeah, sorry. than a power shower. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I tried. I was trying. No, I'll I stop. appreciate the effort. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. Um, so you plug it in overnight in the morning, it's going to be fully charged up and ready to go for your day. Yeah, I, I mean, so... Not everyone will have uh, one of these sort of, you know, dedicated chargers at home. And yeah. if you plugged it straight into your wall socket, which you can do, that, that typically charges at half that rate, so three, right. in which case you might be at 10 hours. And so you can see that, you know, in that model, you might be, you know, struggling a little bit yeah, yeah, to yeah. fill it Get all up in up. one in one night. Yeah. And we are getting... Yeah. Well, sorry, I was just going to ask, like, what if I go to a, you know, pe a petrol station, they sometimes have electric vehicle charging points, right? And like, you don't want to wait there for five hours. So presumably they're sure. faster. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. So yeah. as soon as you go out into um, the public charging stations, you can come across, you know, rapid chargers that will be charging at 50 kilowatts right. and, and up. So you're, you're charging, you know, four or five times um, and beyond faster. At okay. Least, yeah. So what is that like half an hour would be... Yeah, I mean, so typically within about half an hour, you can charge most okay. vehicles up to about 80% capacity based right. on current okay. battery sizes. Yeah, okay, but it's getting better all the time. Yeah, batteries are getting bigger, but also these chargers are getting faster and faster. So right. we're seeing chargers now that are over 100 
kilowatts, for example. Okay. Yeah. And so this brings me on to a question about like the um, charging network, I guess, across the UK. It's a kind of thing that you hear about is this worry about running out of juice in the middle of the countryside. You know, you go on a road trip and your electric vehicle runs out of juice. And what do you do? Like, we've got this great network of petrol stations. That fear doesn't live in people's minds for petrol cars, but it does for electric vehicles. Um, how good is the network that we have now? And how far is there to go still, I guess? Yeah, I think range anxiety anxiety is a real thing. Like people do worry about, oh, but I can't do my three hundred mile trip in one yeah, tank. I'm gonna have to stop along yeah. the way. Um realistically, how often people are doing three hundred mile trips is another mm. question. And I think there's a cultural change bit in that. But mm. actually, on the network side of things, um, I think it's better than people think. And actually, I was quite surprised. So I did a little bit of kind of looking into this and um so in the UK, we have about eight thousand three hundred petrol stations in mm-hmm. the country. Which is way less than I thought we had. Yeah, I have to say, I'm like, is that it? Okay. We have 8,600 places, you know, locations where there are public charging points for electric vehicles. Really? So there's actually more locations to charge your electric vehicle. I have a question. I'm putting my hand up. Um, Are those disproportionately, like, in cities? Or, you know, like, what? how does, I guess, if you look at the map of this, this is, can we come back to, like, data visualization? It would be great to see, like, a kind of plan of like where those petrol stations are across the UK versus the charging locations. Yes. Do you know? So there's a great website and app called ZapMap, which okay. um, has a map of all of the kind of public charging points cool. in, in the UK. Okay. And they have a breakdown of where they are across the country. And I won't profess to be an expert and have memorized it totally. Um, there are kind of a disproportionate amount, I guess, in London. Um, and then the next kind of ratio down in terms of the regions are the southeast of England and then Scotland. Right. Okay. So it is a bit of a a mix, actually, and, yeah. and it is kind of the, the rest of the regions are pretty evenly um, distributed. So right. it's quite interesting to look into. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of something that surprised me, that we actually have more locations in the country that we could charge an electric vehicle than, than we do have petrol stations. That's to, super interesting. Yeah, to fuel our car. And is there a difference that, like, when you put petrol in your tank, people tend to, like, that lasts longer, whereas you have to charge an electric vehicle more frequently? So, like, is that, a you know, this idea of kind of looking equivalently at petrol stations versus electric vehicle charging points, how do they compare? I think that, you know, the key difference is someone with electric vehicle today needs to do more planning for a journey, if it's a long journey, that is, than someone who is driving a conventional petrol car. So, you know, there's a bit more investment of time to look at things like ZapMap, to figure out where those charging stations are, to think about how far you're going. Um, You know, so that's extra effort. But actually, there's almost always going to be a plan that works. Right. You know, and and actually, as soon as you're if you're doing a journey that only requires one stop to charge, actually, you know, taking a 15, 20, even a half an hour break at a service station is sort of OK. I think if you're doing a very long journey and having to stop two, three or four times, then that starts to perhaps to be a bit more of a yeah. an impact. But I, I just wanted to totally agree with Laura's point that, I mean, you know, the average commute is in the order of 30 to 40 miles. Right. So. Yeah, this is a thing we have in our head, this like fear yeah, of, you exactly. know, what if kind of like I, I want to go really far. And the reality is we don't do that very often. Yeah, and I think there's two points to that, right? Because the the kind of previous generation of electric vehicles did have a kind of significantly lower range than a typical petrol car. So if you fully charged uh, a 
a, an electric vehicle, the distance it could go would be kind of in the region of 100 or 150 miles. But now we're getting cars coming out that are more like 200, 250 miles. And a kind of normal car, petrol car, would maybe be 250 miles on a full tank of petrol or 300 miles on a full tank of petrol. So actually it's becoming, the, the technical side of it is becoming less of a problem. Um, but also there's there's this interesting culture, cultural shift. So I would like to, like an electric car, but I don't have one. And I was talking to my husband about it and he said, oh, but if we've got a charger that wouldn't necessarily charge our car up fully overnight, I don't know how I'd feel about that. And I said to him, well, how many mornings do you turn you, you know, turn on the car and it's got a full tank of petrol? <laughs> like, you don't even yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, and you don't even think about going to a petrol station and only topping up 10 pounds of fuel. Like, you mm-hmm. wouldn't, that's, that's kind of fine, particularly on a long journey where motorway petrol stations are quite expensive and you might think, oh, well, I, I don't need a full tank to get home. Yeah. I'll just top up a tenner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that kind of, there seems to be a barrier in people's minds about that same thing right. with electric vehicles. So there's a big, like, fear of the unknown or fear of <laughs> change kind of thing happening with electric vehicles. It feels like a kind of, you know, we, we're familiar with the model of the petrol car and not having a full tank of gas and, like, how we... How we um, can rely on the road network to have a little sign that says petrol station, you know, however far away. And we're comfortable with that. And actually, in practice, the problems with electric vehicles might not be any different or worse than with petrol cars, but we're just not used to it. We're worried. We have this anxiety, I guess that anxiety that point that you made, Laura. Yeah. And I think that that also, it links to the fact that that's when we're really trying to compare like with like, right? We're saying we're trying to kind of force the electric vehicle world of the future to be the same as the petrol car world. You know, you expect to be able to go and fill up wherever. You expect to own your car. You expect to still be doing the same commute by car that you do at the minute. When actually there's a whole load of other big society changes that are going on alongside this change with electric vehicles that I don't think we necessarily always remember (laughs) okay we're going to come back to that one there's a lot there's a lot in that no 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 we'll definitely get it's a great point um but i want to talk about energy for a moment just because again we're getting to the end of my hopefully really like mundane ignorant (laughs) questions here um but my kind of last one on that list is like do we have enough energy to support a full transition from petrol cars over to electric vehicles i guess like we talk about you know in the energy sector you hear these kind of debates about like will the lights go out and do we have enough you know nuclear power stations in the pipeline or renewable energy um you know proposals for renewable energy generation to support the kind of activity we have going on now and i guess my question is like if we were able to kind of tackle all of these um cultural you know barriers to entry for electric vehicles and we switched everyone over you know from now on nobody buys a a petrol fueled vehicle everyone just gets electric vehicles do we have enough energy for that um short answer is yes hey Um, that's what we like to hear (laughs) I, i think i just want to highlight you know the sort of game in town with electric vehicles is not only you know are we are we sort of electrifying the, the transport and and therefore improving air quality that kind of thing but but the the ideal is that we are also then charging those vehicles from renewable energy sources right. so total energy is one thing which will include other sources you know nuclear and even some some fossil fuel plant and that kind of thing um, and yeah, I think overall, there's you know we can supply the electricity required for charging electric vehicles. But what we really want to do is supply that energy from uh, renewable sources. 
I mean, having said that, you know, one of the criticisms or, 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 or um, questions often asked around electric vehicle charging is, OK, fine, you know, you've got rid of the emissions from the streets, which is great, mm -hmm. but you're still burning, you know, potentially fossil fuels in power stations to charge them up. Right. Um, What's the real benefit? Yeah. But, yeah. but actually, even based on uh, there's some research um, from a university in, in, in the Netherlands that looked at this. And actually, even if you are providing the energy from a mixture of sources, including fossil fuels, you're still, you know, 45 percent of the overall emission. So it's, it's, it's great to do it as it stands. But as over time, we produce more energy from renewable sources, it just becomes, you know. Uh, like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, it's the I obvious mean, thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're kind of all, almost already there, but, but it gets, yeah, it becomes yeah. really good. And can we talk about, sorry, Laura, did no, I was just going to say, it's not only about how much electricity we are able to generate to cope. It's about when it happens in the day. I think back to that very first point that Ben sort of said, he spends his time working out, you know, if everyone comes home and charges at five o'clock, how do we cope? It's less actually about the electricity generation and more about, you know, the cables that go to your house <laughs> to make sure that we have enough capacity there to be able to um, to allow people to switch on in the way that they're used to being able to go home and plug in whatever they want and not have to think about it. So it isn't just the amount of electricity, it is when we're using it and whether the, the, the companies know when we're using it and when we're planning on using it. Right, okay, well you are stealing my job because I was going to bring us on to this question of um, like when we, you know, peaks and troughs in the, in the energy network, I guess, and this mm -hmm. idea that everyone's gonna be driving home from work and, you know, plugging in and then all of a sudden there's this huge demand on energy and like how, how are we gonna cope with that? And mm -hmm. is there an opportunity to, I don't know, you know, people talk about, um, what is it, smart, smart charging? And, mm -hmm. and can you talk a little bit about that, like how it might work? Yeah, so I guess I'll start and then Ben can jump in because yeah, we, we, sort of, yeah, we okay. cross over a bit. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, you know, the opposite to smart charging to start with is, is dumb charging, right? Which basically means what I just said, you go home, you plug in, you expect the energy to be there. The company don't, the, the network company, so the, the guys that I work for don't necessarily know that you have that car um, and they just see it as an increase in load. Yeah. Um, that can become a problem. So <laughs> for I feel us. like I participate in a lot of dumb charging right now, like. <laughs> but not of an electric vehicle, right? Of <laughs> no, something quite of big. My phone yeah. Or of, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like, we we're okay with that. We've, okay. we've spent we years dumb working out kettles, that. Yeah, no that's problem. fine. <laughs> Great. Um, but electric cars do become more of a challenge because they're, um, you know, large demands and several of them on one in, in a street can be quite challenging. Okay. Um, smart charging is more about how we make that like a two-way thing. So, um, you guys who own electric vehicles might tell us when you might expect to charge your car or you might be part of uh, like an app or an aggregation service where um, lots of you come together on a street and um, you can sell some of that electricity back to your grid. So you might go into an app and say, um, I'm not doing, I'm not driving tomorrow. So the network company can uh, use the charge that's in my vehicle if they need it between five and seven mm. and be paid for it. So you would be paid for it. As long as you leave my car with a certain amount of energy by next Monday when I need to drive, things and like that. So that's valuable to um, the network because they it like helps them manage these peaks and troughs. So they can kind of like know that there's a certain amount of energy in your car that they can draw from and give to someone else, you know, Steve's car down the road or <laughs> yeah. what, like whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. So Ben, you've got more to say on that. That was quite a basic intro. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely right. I mean, I, I uh, was involved with a, a, a trial which looked at, um, you know, a few hundred cars charging over a, over a year and a half or so. And, and so I've, I've seen, you know, over 100,000 charge cycles. 
And Sheesh. and the sounds exhausting. We should be we should oh, be impressed. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> is what I mean. That's much better. <laughs> um, but when you look at that that information, that data, you see that you know for about thirty percent of the time, on average, the cars are charging when they're plugged in, and for the rest of the time, they're not. Right. So it's that kind of flexibility, the fact that you can move that charging somewhere within that that window of the car being plugged in that lets you do some really clever things with balancing out the charging, you know, so you're kind of taking these big peaks and then smoothing them out, uh, you know, over the night period, for example. Now, you know, there are some interesting challenges coming. So at the moment, if average commutes are, you know, 30, 40 miles, most people aren't going to be using uh, their entire battery capacity on on one day. Um, And... uh, but as as time goes on and if battery capacities get bigger and people are doing more long charges, then perhaps that flexibility might might reduce. But even so, um, by smoothing out that charging, you can dramatically reduce these peaks to the network. Right. And does this already exist? This technology that you're like that you were talking about, Laura, about like having an app that's you know that is talking to the grid and kind of saying like I'm not going to drive tomorrow, or is that kind of um, a thing that you know people who think about EVs a lot? talk about but it hasn't happened yet like where are we so the technology is there and there's trials and examples of kind of case studies where this happens across the world um but there isn't really much kind of in place being rolled out in the uk but a lot of work going on on trials which ben knows more about than i do uh, from that kind of side of things yeah i've worked on some projects and and indeed you know there are there are companies including the one i work for that that um that are you know doing this um Mm -hmm. but it hasn't become mainstream okay yeah but I guess it kind of, I mean, you know, I guess EVs in a way haven't become mainstream yet. And it sort of sure. maybe relates to the point of like getting a better network, although it does sound like we've got a better network than I imagined for <laughs> EV charging. But, um, you know, like the more demand there is, mark, that's kind of how, you know, mar- markets work. Like then people will will create these uh, apps and they will become more mainstream and people will invest in charging facilities because more people will use them and yeah. pay for them and, you know, yeah. kind of chicken and egg situation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that networks are having these conversations with not just domestic. We've talked a lot about domestic vehicle users at the minute. So yeah. people who go and buy a car and drive to work, but actually um, you know, fleets, so organisations that have lots of vans, for example, mm. delivery companies um, who might invest in EV charging or EV cars for their fleet. Um, network companies are working with those directly because we have that information about when they're going to need to charge and how many cars they've got and the location. So I think that from the network side, that's kind of a more familiar way of rolling something out. out. Yeah, that makes sense. So can we talk about this kind of mobility as a service thing? And I feel like I should jargon chart myself on that (laughs) one. I don't know about that. But um, um, okay, I owe a pound, I owe a pound. But um, mobility as a service being this idea that, um, you know, we want to get from A to B and there's a number of different ways we can do it. You could ride your bike part of the way and then hop on a bus or you could drive in your electric vehicle to a train station or you could drive in a petrol vehicle all the way there and park or you know there's a a number of different ways and it kind of goes back to the story you told at the beginning Ben about the cost of your journey from where was it to Winchester from yeah Oxford Oxford and Winchester right about how it was really cheap for you to take your electric vehicle would have been you know eight times as expensive to take your uh, petrol vehicle um, and the car or sorry taking the train was so much more expensive um, and that just doesn't feel right and I guess like it it kind of brings us into this bigger conversation about how we do transport Um, but electric vehicles feel like a new and exciting part of that story that we haven't we haven't kind of squared this complex problem of how we get around and that it should 
kind of cost, um, you know, it should take sustainability into account and the cost of doing that journey. I don't know if you can talk a little bit about that idea, Ben, or... Yeah, no, I'm happy to start and, and I'm sure Laura will add some more. Yeah, so this is the idea that, you know, ideally, you know, you have an app, you kind of say where you're starting from, where you're going, and this app then, you know, plans this journey, which includes, um, you know, picking up uh, one of those bicycles off the street, you know, to get to a station, then hopping on a train, and and all the payments are handled, you're just, you're just tapping your phone as you go through this system, and uh, as you say, you know, the cost of that journey should reflect... A range of things, you know, how far you're going, but also things like impact to the environment, and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, aspirationally, that's where I think we'd we'd like to be, and and I think this is coming, um, and and this model of transport, I think, is is coming. I, I'm not sure how quickly. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of idea, I guess, you know, it existed first in like when I would use Google Maps, and it would kind of take into account a range of different options, and now with City Mapper, it certainly, in, you know, gives me lots of different options I could cycle it links directly to Uber or you know there's a public transport and it, it's not seamless yet like it, a city mapper won't give me an option to cycle and then hop you know it doesn't know oh Charlotte likes to cycle so she'll she's willing to do part of her journey on a bike and then um you know but then she wants to get there with it's not quite as advanced but you kind of start to see the technology catching up in this in this way well so, so another example just from my experience so um I was paying, you know, in the order of about £250 a month for a uh, train ticket, you know, a season train ticket Mm -hmm. uh, between Oxford and Reading where I was commuting. So part of my decision to switch to electric vehicle was looking at what the lease cost would be and finding out that it was, you know, similar, actually a little bit lower. So my decision to go for electric vehicle was actually not about, I mean, it was a bit about wanting a, you know, a neat bit of technology. But, but Just it was, a little. Yeah. Just a touch. <laughs> but actually, at the end of the day, it became a very straightforward decision because it was going to end up being slightly cheaper than what I was doing anyway. So I was thinking about a monthly cost for my transport right and i think that's what mobility is a service is about it's saying rather than thinking about i own a vehicle it's about i just want to get from here to there and i'm willing to pay some amount of money for it yeah yeah and we're so used to that with other bits of our lives right we pay monthly bills for our phone contract where we have a set amount of service that we can use and then if we want something extra we pay more and we have it for like netflix or amazon or whatever yeah so we're used to seeing that kind of as a service model in other parts of our world other parts of our world that was quite deep (laughs) other parts of our lives um that we that's still deep yeah it's fine um that we uh we are used to so um why not move that over to transport where you can say well i need to do you know charlotte likes to cycle and this is how she would like to get to work normally um what would a monthly package be that looks like that but then if you wanted to go to cambridge for the day or whatever you might pay a little bit more because it's kind of outside of your normal monthly package yeah um but you'd have an idea of how much because it's all on your on your phone you can kind of plan it in advance yeah and i guess built into that is this idea of kind of paying for the you know environmental cost of your journeys as well like that the train journey that you know you would have done if you hadn't been in your electric vehicle ben shouldn't have been you know so much more because actually it's more sustainable and it's kind of crazy that we've incentivized people to drive in their petrol cars which you know create congestion and uh you know are bad for the environment basically when really there's a we should be trying to get those people onto a train and how on earth are you going to do that if it costs twice as much or three times as much in some cases it's mad absolutely and and i think that's so important now to make people aware of those environmental impacts i mean we're beginning to perhaps see that happening with with flights um which of course is you know a, a massive cause of um uh, carbon emissions yeah um but yeah i mean i think if you had an app initially that just kind of showed you 
what the impacts were of these things as a starting point, even yeah. if the price wasn't necessarily affected, that would be a good starting point. But yeah. then, yeah, I think you absolutely are going to want that price to be linked, I think, yeah. to environmental impact. I think that's probably where we need to be. That's the future. Yeah. So on that note, I think we need to wrap up pretty shortly, but um, I was hoping we could do a little bit of a so what moment. You know, we've talked a lot about um, around what it's actually like to have an electric vehicle, how much they cost, and all this stuff. But, you know, if you can kind of send a, a very brief kind of message um, that you want people to take away from listening to the podcast, what would it be, Ben? I, th I think it's it's that electric vehicles, in that transition to electric vehicles, it's locked in, it's happening. It just makes sense. Um, so I, I think, you know, we're not really debating this anymore. It, this is what's coming and, and we're going to have to, you know, adapt to that uh, reality, which I think is going to bring a whole load of uh, benefits. Um, but it does feel like it's it's kind of, you know, one change out of many that are coming um, in terms of our use of energy. And, and we've just spoken about kind of making people more responsible for the sustainability side of transport mm -hmm. areas. I think there are some bigger changes coming I feel um, like the word autonomous vehicle is hovering in the air. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. but also in terms of uh, things like, you know, how we heat our homes and and, yeah. and things like, you know, whether we fly as much as we used to and, and that kind of thing. So in a way, I think, you know, th this, this is, electric vehicles are great, but they're kind of, you know, we're going to get them. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some uh, bigger changes coming. So it's a warm up act. Yeah. 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 Okay. Laura? I feel like mine might be less less dramatic than that. I think um, electric vehicle on the face of it for a lot of people is a consumer choice. It's a consumer decision. You know, do I buy this car? Do I buy that car? Um, and I think hopefully what we've talked about today shows that there's a lot under the surface of that. You know, a lot of technical, political, um, regulatory things going on um, to make sure that that just becomes a choice for the consumer. And I think just to reflect on that electric vehicles is not the only case that, that that is like that, right? Everything that we do as a consumer has a whole load of other things connected to it. So I think my so what is just think about that when you're Making next your buying choice. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so mine is much more micro than both of yours, <laughs> but um, it's I just have noticed um, a lot of electric bikes around London, and also I've been noticing you know the black cab fleet in London changing over to electric. Um, actually, that's happened really rapidly. It's really surprised me. Like in the last three months, I've noticed so many of these new black cabs. Hey, you're joining in with us, saying it happens really quickly and changes a lot. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's incredible to see that kind of like uptake. Um, but yeah, so I've noticed all these like bright green bikes around London called Lime, and I think Uber is actually doing their own brand which are pink and I, I forget what they're called but um but I I hired one the other day and it was fun and obviously it's different from you know an electric vehicle but um but it kind of I guess gets you thinking about it a little bit and so if that's like a baby step in in the direction of a, a, you know a sort of electrified journey then I would definitely recommend uh checking them out I think it's a good time wear a helmet <laughs> um, okay and on that note thank you both for coming in thank you thank, thank you, you so much Laura and Ben it's been great you no way we would be nowhere without you here so <laughs> that is fabulous um and if anyone out there has any suggestions or questions off the back of this podcast you can email us at infraunstructured at gmail.com and we'll pick those up um, and address any questions you've got on the next podcast and otherwise stay tuned because there will be more episodes great thanks guys <laughs> <laughs>